Welcome to the Listen for Life podcast with Genevieve Richardson. Genevieve is a speech-language pathologist rehabilitating adults with communication challenges after a stroke or due to a neurological impairment. Get equipped with knowledge from experts in the field and professionals you need to know. We'll hear stories and experiences from others who are navigating life with aphasia. So, put your earphones in and take a walk outside. This isn't just a podcast. This is a community, a resource, and a support system. We're in this together. Do life. Anna Teal, thank you so much for joining me today. Okay. Thank you so much for having me. So I wanted to talk a little bit about your journey with aphasia. Mm -hmm. Uh, I came across your aphasia readers on Instagram and I thought, what What is this? Can you give us a little backstory about what is your connection with aphasia? So my husband, Ryan Teal, he had a stroke. Well, February 6th will be six years ago. So, um, so it's been a while, but, um, at the time he was 34 years old, which is fairly young to be having a stroke. So he had kind of like a rare condition that we found out later on called Eagle syndrome that caused the stroke. So he had a nice symic stroke and while he was in the hospital, we kind of learned, oh, he has aphasia. And of course, like a lot of people, we didn't know what that meant, you know? And so we had to do a lot of research and rely on our doctors to educate us as to, you know, the best path forward for his recovery, because from what we understand, everybody's different, um, depending on what area of the brain is affected. So, um, so throughout his recovery journey, which I mean, he's still working, you know, hard on his recovery journey now. But, um, you know, in the early stages, we were working with a neurologist and a bunch of different people, even the folks at Shepherd Center here in Atlanta, which are amazing, um, and trying to really um, do all we could to improve his speech. And, you know, the old wives tale, they tell you, oh, you know, the first two years are the critical, you're not going to improve after that, which is a total, um, myth. So you can still improve well after those two years. But at that time, we didn't know that. So of course, we were just like booking it, trying to get him as much therapy and, you know, do whatever we could to get him um, recovered and give him the best chance of recovery, especially at such a young age. So um, while we were working with our neurologist, you know, Ryan was just having a really hard time with sentences and putting together you know, those sentences and working on that sentence flow. So he could say one word and, you know, two words, but just the whole sentence formation was a little bit tricky. So we we were talking about this with our neurologist and he was like, well, have you thought about reading children's books? And I was like, no, I mean, that's a really novel idea. And he had recommended some to purchase that are just really simple um, readers, but of course they're catered to children. Um, I actually have one right here. I can show you um, what it looks like. So here's one that's like my dog. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's very, you know, elementary, um, but we loved the structure of this because it has a big photo and then it has you know, these um, symbols, which help with word retrieval, as you you know, I mean, just having that visual support is so important. 
when you have aphasia and you're learning to speak again. So, um, so we, they're like sight word readers. And so this kind of sparked a idea because while they were great for Ryan to kind of practice and learn, you know, just kind of, cause you have to start at square one and there was, there's nothing out there, but children's books, we thought, you know, Hey, what if we developed, um, something that was more adult friendly and that worked for, um, that just worked harder for people with aphasia catered to them, you know? Um, and so that's what kind of sparked the idea of aphasia readers to develop something like, you know, functional phrases, you know, early on in your development, you know, working to, you know, sometimes you need help caring for yourself or tying your shoe or help getting your jacket on, you know, because one side is affected from, you know, a stroke or, you know, whatever, so um, we worked really hard with our neurologist and then the, the people at um, the University of Michigan aphasia program, which Ryan attended back in 2018. And, um, you know, they helped us kind of throw together some ideas and pull together a lot of functional phrases that we could kind of break up into different sections that would really help help uh, people really, really early on in their recovery process, have a flexible tool um, to use it and to use outside of, you know, your normal speech therapy sessions. Because, I mean, that's important. And we, you know, have a disclaimer, you know, you still need to do your, you know, speech therapy sessions. This is kind of meant to be a supplementary tool to work on outside of those sessions if you want to and if there's a need. Um, And so, so, you know, the books have, you know, five to six, um, we call them sessions, but they're kind of theme based, um, you know, groupings of, of themes that can be like anything from having conversation with your spouse over coffee, because sometimes it's hard to like, do that dialogue and handle that dialogue. So, um, we wanted to kind of write it in a dialogue setting so you could practice alone or you could practice with a caregiver or a friend or spouse um, to kind of work on that, like, you know, get comfortable with having a conversation with someone um, and then practice that speech, that sentence formation with like vis- visual support. So um, it was just something that kind of came together and we wanted to be really thoughtful about it and really um, just we wanted to keep it really simple um, and helpful. And like I said, when you're, when you have aphasia, you kind of have to learn all your your words and all your languages, you know, you have to learn so much. Um, And so we really tried to focus on the the sentences and the things that they would really need uh, right off the bat. You know what I mean? Um, So like, for example, like here's our level one book. And we, you know, we kind of did a spiral bound uh, because we wanted it to be able to be flexible to lay flat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Very thoughtful. In case you have a weaker side, you know, nothing's worse than trying to like futz around with a book to get it to lay open or try to, you know, navigate the pages. So, um, and we really tried to be thoughtful about the illustrations. I know like with illustrations, it's hard to make them look very adult, but you know, we tried to kind of do our best, like here's kind of a example of what a page looks like, you know, would you like more coffee? Um, you know, and it's got those icons, those visual supports there to help. Um, but, you know, in the first one, we have 
like a good morning. We have a getting dressed um, session that has about eight pages on how to have a dialogue to get dressed. We have writing support. So here's an example of, you know, a picture that you can write about and describe. Okay, great. So, um, but they're just kind of jam packed with like tools and things that we wanted to see from our journey and things that weren't out there. So we tried to be really, really thoughtful and, you know, think about what, what would help someone be independent, you know, in their, in their recovery and kind of get out into the community. I mean, we've got even like a customizable section so you can customize your coffee order, you know? Um, So, and that helps you like practice those things. So when you're at Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts or wherever you get your coffee, you can be confident and know like, all right, like I feel good about place my order because I practiced it. And, you know, you can even carry your book with you. Like if you need that, you know, support. So um, like I said, we really tried to be thoughtful with everything involving the books. Um, But they're, they're super simple, super easy. Um, You know, like I said, we've got three of them. So uh, the first one is kind of a beginner. So that's like, you know, right out of rehab. If you're looking for something that you need, you can do, uh, this and you can practice as many sessions as you want. I mean, I know some people struggle with neuro fatigue and that's a big concern. So we try to be thoughtful of that too. So you could do one or two or all the sessions if you're feeling really good and practice that way, just practice reading aloud and getting those sentences out. Um, and then our level two is, um, is a little bit more advanced or not advanced, but intermediate, I would say. Okay. So it's got, um, a little bit longer syllable, uh, sentences, okay. um, and multiple syllables, a little bit like two and three syllable words. So here's like, you know, going to the grocery store sentences, you might need to be independent, you know, those functional phrases, how to interact with you know, a person that's checking out your groceries or, you know, whatever. So that's something that you want to, you want to be able to practice. So um, we tried to be thoughtful, thoughtful with that. But, um, and then our third book is more advanced. So we've got three and four syllable words um, in that one and longer sentences. So, um, and they all have the customizable sections at the end, um, you know, different themes. So we, tried to think about what would be the main topics you would want to kind of cover throughout your recovery mm-hmm. um, and kind of guide you through the level one, two, and three. So we try to kind of formulate it um, based off of that journey, I guess. So, you know, as people progress and as they get better, you know, so that was the thought. Like I said, we've got three of them um, and all of the books, they're, you know, um, $34.99, but uh, a lot, a big portion of those sales go back into creating aphasia awareness, which we know is so important. Um, and we give back to the University of Michigan Aphasia Clinic to help with their research, their advocacy, and, you know, helping other people afford speech therapy or intensive speech therapy, which is really important, but it can be expensive. Yeah. Um so we just we're really passionate about that and we want to, you know, help people, um, you know, that have gone through or going through whatever we've gone through, because we know how hard it is and how hard it is to get really relevant adult resources to practice with, um, 
you know, and accessible things, you know, like our books are on Amazon or our website. So they're easily accessible. And that was a goal too, just to have them out there. So anybody can buy them um, and practice with them and, you know, just use them to whatever extent they need. Absolutely. Yeah. Any chance uh, you would make them available as like a PDF, something we could use in telepractice? You know, I've been, we've had a couple of people ask about that. And it's something that we're talking about with our publisher. Um, it's, there's a cost involved. So we're thinking sure. about raising some money to, to do that for all three of the books. Um, especially some of our younger friends, they want to have a digital version um, to use. So that's, that's definitely something we're looking at and thinking about doing in the, the near, you know, future. Yeah. Something like a yeah. flip book or yeah. like a flip book on an iPad. That yeah. could be cool. Neat. Um, would you mind sharing a little bit about the, your journey as a husband and wife? Cause you said he was 34 when he had a stroke six years ago. I know that's yeah. a tough, would you share a little bit about that journey? It, you know, I will say that in the beginning, it's uh, really tough. I mean, it, it will stretch you and pull you and push everything. Um, you know, I would say the first two years, I felt like I was in survival mode because uh, that it's not something that you plan for at that age, um, quite frankly. And we weren't prepared. That was the last thing on our radar, to be honest. We we were thinking, okay, you know, we we had things coming up. We had opportunities on the horizon. And um, I had just started a new job. And I was like two days into a new job. And you know, everything kind of fell out and it was a really scary time for both of us. Um, but it was different for both of us. Um, and we've talked about that a lot, you know, from his perspective, he wasn't really around through the trauma part. You know, he was kind of, he doesn't remember a lot of what happened to him, like when it happened. And that, that was a little bit traumatic for me. Um, I feel like sometimes I have a little bit of PTSD from, a lot of the things that we've been through, mm -hmm. but, um, but that's just something you, you've got to kind of work with and deal with, but, um, it, it's tough and it, and it, it impacts your marriage. It changes your roles significantly where before, you know, it was more of a partnership and after his stroke, I mean, it was all on me, you know? And so I had to really go, like I said, into survival mode for a very long time to, you know, I created my own business so I could have the flexibility to take care of him um, because I couldn't work like a standard nine to five job, you know, at that point. And I was really like dedicated to his care because, you know, he was in, once he was, was released from Shepherd, he was in a day program. So I had to drive him um, all the way in Atlanta traffic every day to the pro, you know, to his program in the morning. And then I would work from their uh, cafeteria and then drive him home after he was done. So like I juggled a lot and like looking back, I kind of don't know how I did it, but I did. I'm glad I was able to do it, but it's kind of like a, a whirlwind. I'm, and it's kind of funny, like how 
you don't think you can do certain things, but if you're in a tough spot, like you're capable of a lot more than you think you are. Um, I learned a lot about myself, a lot about Ryan um, in the process. And, but, but like I said, it's, it's really difficult because, you know, and I, I know a lot, I've talked to a lot of other caregivers about this, about the marriage component, because where before it was a partnership, now it's more all on one person and one person bears more of the work. Um, but, you know, you have to find ways to cope with that, you know, and you have to find ways to, um, to get away if you can. Some people, you know, they have a lot of family support, which is wonderful. Some people don't. And the people that don't, it's really hard to have that me time to get away, to disconnect, um, to have the, the, those moments where you can just process your emotions. Because I think that's really important when you go through a traumatic event like that. You need to have some time to just process everything. Otherwise, like you'll be like what I did. I didn't process a lot of my emotions until you know, like year five, it was starting to kind of calm down a little bit. There was a sense of, you know, quote unquote, normalcy-ish, you know, and then in those quiet moments, it's like, oh my God, this is what happened to me. Like, and this is what happened to my spouse. And are they okay? Am I okay? <laughs> like no, you have those moments of like, oh, but it's, it is hard. And like, there's a lot of communication that has to happen. Um, and, you know, it, it's a lot of role reversals, a lot of shifts that you have to really navigate and be careful about because um, it just, it impacts you so greatly um, in that, like throughout that journey. And it's a long journey. It's not like you can get better in a month. I mean, it, it could take years. You, you just don't know. Um, there's a lot of unknowns and that can be hard too, you know, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think you made an excellent point how at year two, you're still in survival. Mm -hmm. And then year five, I mean, you're at six now, but at year five is when you really started to process on a much deeper emotional, psychological level, because mm -hmm. there was just so much to do. People don't have a sense of his identity completely changed. Your identity completely changed. Yeah. And um, and then you started a business. At the same time, you're doing everything with your new roles and responsibilities and decisions you had to make. I mean, that's remarkable. So what does a typical day look like for you guys these days? Well, you know, Ryan, he unfortunately was not able to return back to work and that was really hard for him. Um, but, you know, he tried, but it just it just didn't work out. A large part of his job was like speaking and interviewing people. Um, and so that didn't work out. So he still does therapy through local universities. So that's really has been wonderful resource for us because you, it's affordable. It's a lot more affordable than some other options out there. And, um, you know, there you can help out, you know, SLPs in training mm -hmm. uh, to give them the practice they need. Um, and so he's he does therapy, speech therapy, and he's still doing occupational therapy and physical therapy because of his spasticity. He still has a lot um, of tone and, and things in his right side that he's really trying to work on. 
um, that just can be difficult, you know, it's just difficult to knock that out and to treat that. But, um, you know, we're just trying to stay current with doctors too and know our options moving forward, you know, because he's almost six years out. So they're, there are new things that are coming on the scene that that are helpful. Um, and so we we really try to stay kind of up to date on the latest and greatest in case there's something that comes about that would really help him in his day to day life, you know. Mm -hmm. So what but. would you um, would you have advice for others, spouses that have kind of gone through that maybe are right in the beginning what would be some lessons learned that you would want them to know about now so they can maybe be thinking about it so that they're prepared? That That's the one thing as a speech pathologist, I, I work kind of in the chronic space. I used to do a lot of acute kind of treatment, but being in the chronic space, it's very different. The needs, uh, uh, seeing the gaps the huge gaps of information and resources. And I'm not talking just speech therapy resources. Like, yeah. How do you do your financial planning? Like, how do you, from this perspective, do you have advice for others, things that they might need to be thinking about so that they don't get blindsided maybe? Yeah. I mean, I think that just to keep at it and know that like, the point in time you're at right now is not going to be forever. Things do get better and things do improve. And um, oftentimes for caregivers, there's not a lot of resources available or help for them. Um, but I encourage people to really seek those out and to really um, do whatever they got to do to find the help or the resources they need to help navigate whatever issues they're facing. I mean, with the, we live in a wonderful age where information is at our fingertips. And so just to not give up, don't be complacent with what the doctors say. Uh, that's one thing because, you know, we've had so many doctors just speak doom and gloom things over Ryan. And I'm like, no, like we're not accepting that and we're moving forward. And so I, I would issue a word of caution with that too. You know, like sometimes doctors have to tell you things that they have to say for certain liability issues, but that's not true for everyone. Like your journey is your own journey and it's what you make it. And you have to stay positive and stay proactive with your care um, because they're not going to do it for you. So you have to really like keep at it. And, you know, if one doctor doesn't work out and you don't have a good gut feeling about them, find another doctor that you do, that you have that connection with and they understand you and they're kind of on board with the path of care that you want to have for your spouse or loved one. Um, so, you know, some people get discouraged with that and they're like, oh, I don't want to go see a lot of doctors. But for us, like we've had to do that sometimes and it's been beneficial and it's paid off like with his care. So um, I would just encourage them to hang on like that survival mode feeling will not last forever. And I know like it's hard in the beginning. I mean, I've had moments where I've just cried in my laundry room, you know, <laughs> like um, just broken down at like crazy moments throughout the day. But like it does get better. Things get better. Tomorrow's another day. Like and like, I know it's hard now, but it's, it's going to be okay. So that, that would be something that I would say to caregivers who are kind of like 
just starting out in that journey because it, it's rough. It's tough, but you know, you just do it. You do. Yeah. How do you and Ryan find ways to connect? Well, sometimes, you know, we'll go on dates or, you know, try to make time for one another um, to see one another and to get outside of the hustle and bustle and chaos um, of just life because, you know, I've got two businesses and I'm very involved in the community, which is important to me. It's something that I just have for myself that is, you know, I have a group of people that I really love and connect with. And um, so that's kind of like my me time. So, you know, just having that balance of all things, you know, is, is really important. And sometimes that's just hard. I mean, for anybody nowadays, because it just feels like you're connected. People are on your phones, you know, trying to take a break from that and just really talk, um, you know, is important. So just like carving out that time to just, you know, be together is, is good for any relationship, I think. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's solid advice because yeah. it, it's so easy to let life kind of get in the way and then that gets pushed to the side because you feel like you don't have time. Oh, so yeah. talk to me about your fridge phrase. Is that what you call it? The your <laughs> fridge phrases? I love them. Uh, I think they're it's very clever. So I want to know more about those. And then you have to admit if you guys do them. Yes. Ryan practices them. So tell us a little, describe for people what those are and then how they can get their hands on them and, you know, and then how you guys might use them. Yeah. So our fridge functional phrases are, I know it's a mouthful to say, but it that is. was kind That's of like kind of best thing to name practice. But, uh, but the reason we named them that was um, I was just looking for, you know, I, it's hard with someone with aphasia. I went to see them in social situations and they feel so um, disconnected and alone and isolated. Uh, and the idea for these fridge functional phrases came out of seeing Ryan in those situations because, you know, with his friends, his friends are talking like 90 miles an hour and there's all these conversations going and like he's just having trouble like keeping up. And, um, you know, so we just, had this idea like well what if we put together some phrases that can be semi-customizable people can write in you know whatever they want you know it's just kind of a one pager easy to print easy on your printer you could just print it out and practice it before a social event so you can have a little bit more confidence with phrases and sentences that you know when you're interacting in these situations so um I kind of took it from approach from a caregiver standpoint, because my main concern was I don't want it to kill my printer and take up a lot of ink. So it, it doesn't have it's not really super fancy, a lot of colors, anything. It's really simple. Um, and then I just wanted it one page because anything more than that is kind of, you know, too much from it. Well, it was from our perspective. Mm -hmm. So we just want to keep it simple. And so we put together um, a grouping of things, you know, so we have like for the holidays for like Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year, um, we put together pages for that that would be helpful if you're in a social um, environment and, you know, to kind of help you with that. And then we also have like things for weddings and, you know, like even conversation starters, because like that can be really hard uh, to know how to engage with someone or, you know, so uh, 
you know, even like words of affirmation too was a good one to just speak good things over your life. Uh, You know, a lot of people like to do that. And so we felt the need to do a couple of those. Um, And then we have a couple more ideas for new ones that we plan to release in the next month or so. So, um, but yeah, we, we have gotten a lot of great feedback on the fridge functional phrases because they're just, they're on our website, aphasiareaders.com. You just go under, you know, um, you can find our fridge functional phrases there and download them, print them, and they're just super easy and nice. And you just put them on your fridge because, you know, most families are in and around the kitchen all the time. So it's kind of a nice reminder because you see it constantly like, oh, hey, I need to like practice my fridge functional phrases. So and um, Ryan does, you know, he does practice them. Um, And he was the one that, you know, he came up with like the sports uh, ones, you know, like football and baseball. He he's very big on sports. So uh, he was he played a big part in that. And, uh, but yeah, so he's, he's always, um, coming up with new things. And one of our friends was like, Hey, you know, I really want to have a chat with my friend about music. Like, you know, cause I want to connect with someone about that. And so we were like, okay, well, we'll just put our heads together and come up with one, you know, like for music and do that. So it's just, uh, it's kind of an ongoing project. And we ask people like, if you have any ideas for, future, you know, worksheets or phrase work, you know, phrase sheets, just like reach out to us at info at aphasiareaders.com and we'll put one together for you. So, um, so yeah, they've just been a nice, like cute little tool to use on the fly to just help improve that confidence and reduce that loneliness that people with aphasia really feel, um, a lot of the time. So hopefully to get them more comfortable. Absolutely. Socializing. And I saw you just released a Valentine's one, which is so smart. Uh, I haven't read it yet. I just, I saw it on Instagram and I haven't gone to your website yet to yeah. get hands on it, but love that. Yeah. Cause I mean, sometimes, I mean, I, and I talked about this with a clinician um, from UMAP at one time and it's just like, sometimes it's really hard for people with aphasia to like know how to talk about like intimate things. And I was like, well, I don't know if I could do like an intimate, you know, fridge functional phrases, but I'll keep it like Valentine's day, <laughs> but you know, well, maybe that would be a good idea, you know, for a future one. Oh boy. Yeah. I would yeah. imagine that's pretty complicated. Yeah. So, uh, I love your candidness, Anna. I appreciate this conversation. So before I let you go, what would you want others that are not in the aphasia space? You know, what would you want the general public to understand about aphasia? And the second part of that is how would you recommend if you're out on the street, you're out in public, you're at the mall and you and Ryan are there and somebody notices he's talking differently or you guys communicate differently what do you want them to know? Or if they interact with you, how would you, how do we even say it? Uh, cross that barrier. Cause what tends to happen, people are embarrassed. I'm talking general public. They're embarrassed. They don't want to offend. So then they don't interact. But I mm-hmm. think you guys would probably prefer the interaction, even if it's not perfect. Yeah. So how do we overcome that with the general public? Well, I think it goes back to the aphasia awareness and knowing that like all disabilities are not seen. 
sometimes. Oh. And just because someone has aphasia doesn't mean that they're not intelligent. That's a huge one. Um, I mean, we see that throughout our worlds, but I think, you know, outsiders, you know, it's still kind of a little bit of a learning curve. And so, you know, like with Ryan, he's like one of the smartest people I know. I mean, he's, he's so brilliant and it's, it's crazy that, he's got all of that inside his brain and he, you know, he just can't get it out. And that's all it is, you know, and if people understood that, I think, um, you know, they would be more accepting and more willing to interact. Um, and then just knowing, being educated on how to interact with people. And I think part of that is false on the person with aphasia, like being an advocate for themselves as well. And, you know, figuring out ways to say, you know, hey, I communicate better via text and just, you know, or if you have an aphasia card, sometimes those are helpful too to hand to someone to read so they know like how to communicate with you. Um, so, you know, a lot of that falls on, you know, it's kind of like two sided. So to be, be an advocate, but then also a little bit of grace on the, the public side to, you know, um, learn and be open and um, kind of, you know, fill out the situation so they can better communicate with someone like that. Because everyone's different. You know, every case is different. You know, with Ryan, I mean, he has trouble, um, like, comprehending a little bit. You know, 90% he can he can understand from pure verbal, but he reads perfectly. So he can, that's how we kind of validate things um, to make sure he understands things. So he has a speech to text app that he uses. And so that's kind of how he follows along with conversations, especially if you switch context. So when people know that, you know, they, they understand and they can be more sensitive to those things and speaking slow, slower, or, you know, all those things are just important important for people to know. But I think, you know, it's our job too, is to keep raising that awareness, keep getting that information out there. So people understand what aphasia is. Um, and, you know, that kind of my biggest thing is just, is, you know, the person is still intelligent. They're still them. It's just, they can't get the words out, you know? Love that. So, so yeah. uh, tell us again, your website and where folks can order books from aphasia readers. So our website is aphasiareaders.com. Um, you can also order, you can order them through our site, which is linked to our publisher site, BookLogics. Um, we prefer people order them there just because we get a larger portion of that purchase because Amazon takes like 30%, of course. So um, if they can order them through our website, because that gives us more to give back um, into the aphasia and kind of sow those seeds into the aphasia community. Uh, but, you know, we understand the convenience of Amazon, too. So that's why they're there. So all three books are there. Um, and so and you can follow us on social media, too, at Aphasia Readers. Uh, we're on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, um, not doing TikTok. <laughs> but <laughs> you got to draw a line somewhere, right? We got to draw the line somewhere. So yeah. we're not doing that. Uh, but uh, but yeah, so but we we're always open for feedback on the books, um, especially from SL perspective, um, you know, because we know you guys need resources too. Um, so we're just, we're always open to making them better, more useful with the fridge functional phrases or any ways we can collaborate to help people like us have a better recovery journey. That's kind of, you know, our goal. So, um, we're, we're totally open and, and ready to help. So 
Neat. Yeah. And how, uh, so is the best way for people to reach you if they had a question or they want to give you some ideas? Is it through social media? Uh, they can, you know, slide into our DMs, as people like to say, or they can okay. reach they can reach out to us at info at aphasiareaders.com. That's our email address. Um, so we're likely to get back to you quicker if you email um, us. But we also respond to, to DMs as well. Terrific. Anna, thank you so much for the conversation today. And please say hello to Ryan. And I let's know. stay in touch. If When you have more stuff, uh, if you release another book or however we can support you here at Listen for Life, uh, because it is about life, right? And reading is. is a huge part of life. And folks get on their website and download some of those fridge functional phrases. See, I have to slow down to say it, make sure I don't mess it up. Um, but they're wonderful and they're, but I love the simplicity of it. I actually am glad you made it simple, clean, easy to read. They're perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Thank I'm you, gonna, Anna. Gonna... Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for having me, Genevieve. I appreciate My it. My pleasure. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to the Listen for Life podcast. We hope you feel empowered and supported. Head over to listenforlifepodcast.com to see the show notes with links and information from today's episode. Do you have a topic, a resource to share, or a guest recommendation? Inquiring minds want to know. Let us know in the comments section. Wishing you a fabulous week.